In many existing BPO deals, they tend to be old-fashioned, they're still fairly labor-heavy, uh, tech-light contracts. Historically, there was a lot of promise, probably too little delivery on that promise. So really, the trust wasn't there. But we're seeing that the situation is fundamentally changing. You know, they found new ways of working. They accelerated the digital journey by necessity. And what we're seeing now is a much higher level of trust in the capability of service partners to support and drive that journey. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello, my name is David Ketchin. I'm your host for today's session, and my guests are John Sheridan and Herman Vashvat from the Hackett Group. I'm going to be guiding the discussion today and providing a little bit of context as we need. John Sheridan is one of our senior leaders in our dedicated outsourcing practice, so spends all his time working in and around outsourcing relationships. And Herman is our UK lead for global business services. We're going to be talking today about next generation operating model. And what we're talking about there is how the enterprise and also business services are having to respond to some of the challenges in the marketplace today. And if we talk about some of the pressures and trends there, obviously there's continuing pressure to grow and recover from the impact of COVID. There's ongoing disruption to delivery models, whether that means through digital and online channels or traditional bricks and mortar. And there's a significant wave of improvement and opportunity coming from technology enablement, what we sometimes call digital transformation. So against all of that, also there's a need for continuing market competitiveness and therefore a drive towards a completely new enterprise level operating model. We're going to unpack some of those pressures today and talk about that, the impact that's having on the business, but also on business services. So Herman, maybe I can start with you. What are the major changes that we're seeing in enterprise level operating model? Yes, David, there's a lot going on. You know, I think I would probably start with digital transformation. You know, it's uh, definitely accelerating. You know, we're seeing uh, quite a fast move over the last year or so. And it's forcing businesses to rethink. You know, it's forcing them to think about how do we create better experiences? You know, for example, if I think about customer experience as a starting point, you know, digital transformation had a massive impact on how digital sales channels have grown over the last couple of years, right? And the same argument goes for supply experience, really. It's so important to use technology to build supplier partnerships and you know form new ways of how to collaborate with your supplier so i think digital transformation a big one then i think COVID and brexit and all the external forces you know global warming really forced companies to create more agility in what they're trying to do you know and many was forced to put measures in place to obviously safeguard their assets and to bring more contingency into their organization and I think we are noticing some complexity now creeping into supply chains and how organizations are structuring themselves and it's natural you know we, we expected that because this is what you need to address risk right and then I think third point I wanted to make is that COVID has shown us that we can work from home you know we are seeing many companies now 
flexing their ways of working and coming up with new ideas on how to be more efficient and effective in terms of how they work in the work environment. Yeah, the, the working model is, is a really interesting topic, isn't it? And I think that's one that's going to continue to change. It's changing with our clients. Um, it's changing for us as well. But clearly across those three topics that you mentioned, there's a major drive for change. Um, so if that's the enterprise level change that you're seeing, how are business services, so finance, HR, IT, procurement and so on, how are business services responding to this shift in their own operating models? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's also evolving quite fast. It's definitely not a cost game anymore. You know, cost is important, don't get me wrong. But it's it's about delivering value to the business. And I'm speaking to lots of clients trying to figure out what does value mean for me? What does value mean for finance and procurement and HR, right? And keeping up with change and dealing with the disruption is absolutely critical for them in their role. So I think generally, I would sort of point out three key changes that are becoming the norm now. Number one, functional teams are starting to work together a lot more. They're finding ways to address silent mentality. They've probably talked about it now for 10 years, and but we are now seeing some concrete actions where they're connecting upstream and downstream processes, for example. Thinking of ways to really realize more from enterprise capabilities to join up the organization. You know, things like agile transformation management, data analytics, you know, things like value management and process automation. These are all topical sort of areas where there's a lot more joined up thinking going on when it comes to enterprise capabilities. I would say also GBS or global process owners, you know, I'm working much more closer together now with IT product owners. You know, there's definitely a shift in that regard. And I would say last but not least, business partnering is changing significantly as well, right? And then moving away from these generalists to becoming a lot more commercial and, and focused in terms of what they're trying to achieve in the business. So again, some really big challenges that organizations are trying to respond to there. And that's going to continue to drive change as well. In our clients, how far have you seen the leading organizations already taking that redesign? And what are the kind of benefits that they're already seeing? Yeah, so I think, you know, most of our clients would now have seen some of the material on digital world class. So I won't go into all of that. But, you know, there's there's definitely plenty of benefits when it comes to cost and effectiveness and experience. So really do read up on that if you've got that material. But I do want to point out two key points, really that might be relevant for this conversation in terms of operating model. And the first point is that 80% of our digital world-class finance functions, funny enough, have now moved to next-generation operating models. That's quite fascinating. That's an interesting fact. There's obviously different ways to move to a next-generation operating model with a variety of models out there, you know, fully integrated models, models where there's different levels of adoption of enterprise capabilities, for example. So I do think that's an interesting one that is evolving quite fast. It is safe to assume, obviously, now with that the operating model will have a, a big impact. We're also seeing up to 50% faster time to value with digital world-class companies when they start driving some of the more transformational activity. There's obviously some caveats here. If you want to get to some of these numbers, you, you really do 
need a cloud first mentality you know they typically would have a much more higher maturity on cloud they would deal with complexity things like needing to bring product business and global process ownership together in a much more integrated way so i think i think it's important to consider that time to value is very important in this discussion as well yeah it's very interesting to see all of that taking place isn't it Now, I just want to switch the focus for a second. When we talk about global business services, that, of course, is a particular construct of bringing together skills and capabilities to service business users. But then client organizations have a choice on whether they do that as a captive organization or whether they work with outsourcing and outsource providers. And it's interesting to see the trend of whether organizations do it one or the other or hybrid. And that's a a continuing change and consideration that we're seeing in the market, but certainly seeing a lot of outsourcing deals being signed at the moment. So I thought, um, John, perhaps we can talk about what changes you're seeing in the marketplace as a result of some of the changes that Herman's been describing there. Yes, thanks, David. I'm just building on the points that Herman was making. I think the need to accelerate the digital journey is driving a number of major changes within the sourcing marketplace. I think it's causing clients to fundamentally reassess and redefine what their service objectives are, what the service outcome is, and the value that they should be delivering to the business. I think it's also changing the balance of responsibility and accountability that sits both within and across the service relationship boundary. Clients are actively questioning or challenging whether they've got the right sourcing partner. Do they have the right skill sets? Are they embracing that transformational journey? And then critically, it's driving an urgent search for talent, capacity, and the technologies that are needed to support the digital journey. I think just on the talent point, you know, clients are struggling to find the skills needed to undertake that digital journey. And they're increasingly reaching out to their delivery partners to help fill those gaps. And as a result, we're seeing a huge rise in demand for both IT and business process services as as clients look to acquire the skills, technologies, you know, and the resources they need to be successful from those partners. You only need to look at the revenue growth from pretty much all of the major service providers through 2021 to evidence that. I've been in the outsourcing business now for nearly 30 years, and this is possibly one of the most exciting and I have to say quite challenging times uh, I've certainly experienced as an outsourcing professional. Great. So really interesting to see all of those things taking place, John. So how far do you think BPO providers have progressed in making this this new proposition a reality? You know, are, are they ready to partner in this way already? I think it's a really interesting question, David. So our clients talk to us all the time about the role that they need their outsourcing partners to play especially in this new digital landscape and the value that they need them to deliver. In many existing BPO deals, they tend to be old-fashioned. They're still fairly labor-heavy, tech-light contracts. And they weren't bad contracts. They were just of the time. But the world has fundamentally changed. The contract hasn't necessarily kept pace. Historically, there was a lot of promise, probably too little delivery on that promise. So really, the trust wasn't there. And you get what you contract for. But we're seeing that the situation is fundamentally changing. You know, we've come through you know, a major watershed period. You know, change was no longer optional. Many businesses, it was necessary to survive. So they reached out not only to their own organizations, but to their service partners to help them during that difficult time. You know, they found new ways of working. They accelerated 
the digital journey by necessity. You know, they discovered solutions in spite of you know the old-fashioned commercial and, and contractual structures, and they collaborated. They just got it done. And what we're seeing now is a much higher level of trust in the capability of service partners to support and drive that journey. And I think the drivers for outsourcing have fundamentally changed also. Uh, you know, we're moving away from you know, labor arbitrage as a primary driver. You know, today it's all about skills acquisition. It's about business value generation. You know, there's a much greater emphasis on outcome. You know, cost optimization is still there. It's going to remain as a focus. But we're shifting now to how do you use automation to remove cost entirely rather than shifting to lower cost delivery locations? How do you use analytics and make better informed and more timely decisions? So I think outsourcing partners now more than ever need to act as a catalyst, as a change partner. You know, they're shifting to a transformational rather than a transactional relationship and bringing their ability to leverage investments in digital tools, technologies, analytics capabilities, really to deliver increased business insight and value. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, isn't it? Seeing that degree of opportunity for greater partnering. And it's really interesting. Earlier on there, you mentioned outcome, a focus on outcome rather than just labor arbitrage. Can you share a few thoughts about what you're seeing there and the kinds of conversations you're having with clients, but end clients, but also with the BPO providers as well? Yes, of course. It's one of the most common questions I get. You know, how do you structure and manage outcome-based relationships, outcome-based contracts? I think there are two main points here. I think firstly, you know, most contracts, if they're drafted properly, they're already outcome-based or have outcome components. You know, they've got defined service metrics, they've got targets aligned to best practice, performance and incentive mechanisms. But the big question really is whether they're measuring the right metric are they measuring the right outcome? Is it effective and is it focused on delivering the value that the business needs and expects from that business process or that function? So I think there's still a place for traditional service levels. You know, they measure the heartbeat of the underlying process. You know, they act as early warning signs. And, and of course, it allows you to course correct and catch, you know, potentially major issues before they impact the business. It takes me to the, through to the second point, really, which is about defining which business outcomes are important for you as a client? And then how do you articulate those in a way that the service provider can fully understand? And importantly, where they have the ability to control or significantly influence that particular outcome. So when we work with our clients, we get them to take a step back. So they're asking themselves what value the function or the process in question has in terms of delivering value to the business, whether it's finance, IT, HR, or procurement how does or how should you be partnering with the business for example you know what should be the role of the service partner what does your digital journey look like you know what are the outcomes you are measured against or are trying to achieve and you need to mirror those in your sourcing relationships and then i think you need to ask yourself two simple questions if the functional service is delivered really well what does it allow you or what does it enable you as a business to do if it's delivered poorly, what are the risks and issues it creates? What does it prevent you or your business from, from doing? And then you, you define the metrics and measures for those outcomes and build a framework around incentivizing the behaviors that will enable those positive outcomes and avoid the negatives. But you need to be careful that it has to be flexible. It has to adjust to meet your changing business needs. So you know, be able to refocus and resolve suboptimal performance issues 
and address improvement of opportunities. So it needs to be agile and dynamic rather than historically it's been a static process. Okay, so some strong points of view there and strong demands from the clients in terms of what they're looking for. It's interesting to think, you know, the outsource service providers are, of course, service companies, and therefore you might expect them to just get on with this and uh, respond to the market demand and move to the new contract structures, the new services. Can we just leave them to get on with it? I wish it were that simple. Um, but there are at least two parties in any relationship that have to be considered. So you know, I think clients need to have ambition. You know, that's absolutely critical, but it isn't the only consideration. I think that, you know, that scale of ambition has got to be aligned to an organization's appetite and capacity for change. I think that it also needs to recognize, you know, where you're starting from and the challenges or the constraints that, that may exist. You know, how do you how are you going to overcome those? So I think clients have a responsibility to provide an environment within which their strategic partners can help them be successful. It's not a one-way street. They have to enable them to deliver the value that the business requires and expects. You know, and I think you know, COVID, our experience over the last 18 months or so, I think that's broken the mold. You know, historically, many of the relationships that have un- underperformed I think they've done so because the environment or the client's capacity for change was too difficult to drive, either operationally or organizationally. Or maybe the benefit case was driven purely by operational cost reduction rather than you know, the wider business value generation. I absolutely agree that suppliers have an obligation to deliver more than a transactional service. You know, they are operating now in a transformational world. You know, we need them to share their success stories we need them to leverage the, you know, the experience developed or acquired from all the successful value creation across the broad range of other client engagements in their portfolios. They're solving business critical problems every single day. So you know, we need them to deliver incremental value for all of their clients and use that ground base of, of knowledge and experience. And I guess coming back to ourselves, you know, Hackett's role is you know, to facilitate that dialogue between our clients and those service partners and really to challenge their thinking. Yeah, very interesting time and uh, seeing the different dynamics in the model. So I suppose we started this conversation by talking about the changes in the marketplace, then thinking about how that's impacted the enterprise level operating model. Herman talked about how the global business services, the business services have been responding to the enterprise change in operating model. And John, you've just gone through a lot of the trends and changes and pressures and challenges and opportunities from working with outsource providers as well. So perhaps I'm just close with a final question to you, Herman, and say, you know, what do client organizations do you think have to get right to make sure that the captive and the outsource models can work together effectively and, and in harmony? Yeah, I I think it's so important to really reimagine what the future can look like, right? And have courage. It's for both organizations who need to have courage in this regard, not just the captive and the organizations itself. I'm talking about the BPO provider as well. Don't just accept where you are, you know, really challenge the norm and make sure you understand your weaknesses and your strengths within your internal organization, but also of your BPO. There's always different ways of looking at things, you know, and we often find as soon as you start looking at things slightly different, you can you can very easily accelerate time to value. You know, I think that's what it's about at the end of the day. Great. Thanks very much, Herman. So 
really interesting there as well, bringing that together. So I suppose what we're saying is there's a major change taking place in the marketplace. There are some really difficult and important choices that need to be made. And in fact, if you don't adapt, then you're going to find yourself behind the competition. So there is a mandatory need to take advantage of the opportunities here. And this is a major change, a major opportunity. So again, thank you very much, John and Herman, for joining me today. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com. Thank you.